All right, g'day, and welcome to my latest podcast. It's Glenno here, and uh, welcome to the Glenno Show. Now, in this episode, we're going to talk about, well, more COVID crisis. Uh, unfortunately, Victoria has gotten out of control once again. They're averaging about two to 300 cases a day, and these outbreaks, they seem to think, is from the uh, Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, people also coming in. Uh, internationally, because there's still some international planes coming in and so forth. And uh, there's a few um, housing estates in certain parts of Melbourne where it's spread as well. It's uh, it's pretty um, pretty worrying at the moment. And uh, as from this Wednesday, which will be the, what, 23rd or 24th of July, the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, has announced that all people in the Melbourne metropolitan area have to wear masks when they're outside of their home, when they're doing essential shopping and, and so forth. I think it's everyone above the age of 12, uh, I believe. And if you do not and you get caught not wearing a mask, it is a $200 fine. So that'll be interesting to see how that works out because there's nearly 5 million people living in the Melbourne metropolitan area. That's 5 million, well people over 12, so maybe 3 million, 3.5 million masks, and uh, everyone's in a panic to get these masks by Wednesday. So we sort of thought we're on top of things here, uh, although Queensland at the moment is pretty much, uh, we've got zero cases. New South Wales are starting to creep up a little bit, and uh, Victoria's sort of gone out of control again, but we sort of had a feeling this was going to happen. We did sort of predict a second wave. And, and as a result of this, the New South Wales Premier, um, Gladys Berejiklian, I think that's how you pronounce her last name, has decided to close the border at Victoria, New South Wales, down at Orby Rodonga. It's a great decision, but it was a bit of a delayed decision. It probably should have been closed a week prior when the outbreak started to sort of uh, become noticeable. So, yes, so you cannot enter New South Wales if you're a Victorian resident, and it's causing a lot of problems down in the Aubrey-Wodonga area, and um, they're sort of going through the same drama as we are here on the New South Wales-Queensland border. Tweedheads, Cool and Gatter, we have the same dramas with traffic and so forth. And uh, once again, the Premier of Queensland, um, Anastasia Palaszczuk, has uh, changed the border pass again. There has been more border change passes than me changing my underwear in the last week or two, and I'm not, I'm not um, exaggerating on that one. The new border pass now, um, anyone in New South Wales can enter Queensland and uh, pretty much every state in Australia except for Victoria can now enter Queensland as long as they declare that they have not been in Victoria in the last 14 days and they have not been in one of the Sydney COVID hotspots in the last 14 days, which is in some of the southwestern areas of Sydney where there's been a few cases on the rise in the last week as well. So uh, very interesting. I actually bought a printer so I could download the Border Pass. I bought a printer from Big W. It's $34. I cannot believe how cheap a printer is. You can get printers well, in the hundreds of dollars, but um, I got this cheap one just to pretty much print a border pass. I couldn't be bothered going to work all the time to print border passes. So uh, the printer, I'm sure, will come in handy for other things. And it matches up with my new laptop, 
which is uh, Hewitt Packard, and um, I've got a HP printer as well, although it's wireless, but it is not um, wirelessly connecting. I've got to use a USB cable for it to work because the Wi-Fi I use is 5 gigahertz, and the printer is only 2.4, so um, I should have maybe read into that a bit more, but for $34, I can't complain. Connecting a lead's not an issue anyway, so the printer's next to the laptop, so uh, it's not really a problem. So um, that's what's happening at the moment. Now, I went down to Byron Bay last Monday, and I downloaded the pass, and I had a friend with me, Ellie, and she had to have a pass too. So if you've got two people in the car, you've got to have two passes. And uh, my experience when we come back from Byron Bay, it wasn't too bad. It was about a 15 to 20-minute delay. I can't complain at all. It was a pretty smooth sailing going through the border. But there have been days where there's been delays up to one or two hours, especially on weekends when people are out and about more. So have patience. And there is also talk of moving the border south by seven kilometres. So the Queensland Premier and the Mayor, even the Gold Coast Mayor Tom Tate, has called for the border to be moved on the other side of the Tweed River. That will allow Tweed residents to become Queenslanders. Now, I don't know if this is a temporary or a permanent thing. I think this is only temporary. So Tweed Heads will come under the city of Gold Coast, and the idea of that is it will stop a lot of congestion because Tweed Heads residents and Benora Point, and there's other suburbs sort of west of Tweed Heads that are in New South Wales, and a lot of people that live in that area come to Queensland to work. They come over to the border, some work in Coolangatta, Rabina, anywhere on the Gold Coast. Some people travel to Brisbane for work. So it does make sense to shift the border uh, several kilometres south, and that means the only people that will be crossing the border then will be people down that live in Kingscliff, Cabarita, Byron, people from Sydney and that. So it will reduce congestion. But the New South Wales Premier... Uh, Gladys Berejiklian will have would have to agree with the Queensland Premier on on for that to happen. Whether that goes through or not, I um, I believe it when I see it. But it's an interesting thing that they might do shifting the border several kilometres south, so Tweed Heads residents will be Queenslanders, and that will alleviate uh, a lot of the traffic problems around the back streets. Given the fact that there's locals that live in the area. They said it's taken them 40 to 45 minutes to drive to the shops where it's normally a five-minute drive. Most of them have given up the residence and they're leaving their cars parked in the driveway and are simply just walking to the shops now to get their groceries or have them delivered, although having them delivered would be a delay as well. So it's pretty nasty down there. When I did some videos back in March when they first closed the border, I did sort of predict that this would be for the long term, and even though Queensland is officially open to certain parts of Australia, there's, the border is still manned and there's still checkpoints there. So I wouldn't say the border is 100% open, and I expect that the border will have checkpoints for many more months to come and maybe into the new year. A few posts back on my Instagram, I actually spoke about where photographers are now that used to be really into photography, and then they've sort of simply vanished or they've eased off, and I've probably been a bit critical about it, and I actually might have mentioned this in a previous podcast, I think it was a where are they now 
episode, but I, I just can't remember if I did one or not. I'd have to check back. But nonetheless, um, things do change. And, and some of the comments I got when I put this question on one of my posts about why people that were taking photos five, six years ago are no longer around, uh, most of the feedback I got in the comments was things change. And that's something I don't sort of believe in. I sort of, I'm sort of stuck in the same 2014 mindset, and I won't lie. Now, I'll put this to you right now. If you went and took a photo with someone at a waterfall, just say a group of people, three or four. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because something came up on my Facebook memories earlier on the year from six years ago where me and two friends, we shot um, some waterfalls. I think it was at Mount Tambourine. I think it's Cedar Creek Falls by memory. And we had such an absolute great time. We went up there. We went to a coffee shop first, had coffee, had a chat. We went up in the same car from memory. Then we went down to the waterfalls late in the afternoon where the light was a bit better and it wasn't too harsh because it's better to capture waterfalls in low light. And we, we spent an hour, an hour and a half taking waterfalls and then we, we went home and the day was over. It was a really good day and I really look forward to it. Now, if those three people, which is me and obviously the two others that came with me, went and replicated that photo today, why wouldn't it feel the same as it did six years ago? The waterfall's still there. The tree surrounding is still there. The sun's still in the same position in, in, in that time of the afternoon if we went at the exact so same time. Nature doesn't change, does it? Yes, trees do get pulled down and bulldozed to make way for new roads and, and so forth. But other than that, nature stays the same, but we don't. But it would not feel the same if the three of us went and did and replicated that same photo we did six years ago. It would feel different for some reason. Maybe as we age, we change, no doubt. Another example, sunflowers. I always used to go to the sunflower fields when they were blooming out at Warwick, Alora, out in the uh, Western Downs region of uh, southeast Queensland. Now, the same thing. A group of us went one day. I think it was eight of us in two or three cars, and we had such a fun time shooting sunflowers and doing portrait photos and that. A lot of those people I don't even hear from anymore. I don't want to be critical because one day I might disappear. So, But if we all went out and did that same shot again at the same sunflower field, it would feel different. Yet the atmosphere and nature surrounding us is the same. Isn't it odd how we sort of change? And, and most of the feedback I got was just that, that people change, people move on, people have babies, people get married. So things from six years ago aren't necessarily the same. But what's, what sort of concerns me is I made true friends out of some of these people, right? Now, if you're an acquaintance, you have a lot of people have photography acquaintances, an acquaintance is someone that you regularly do keep in touch with on Instagram and you might see them every now and again. You might happen to be at the same beach as them or at the same waterfall or that, and you meet up and you have a bit of a yarn, then you go your merry way. You don't really open up about your life about them and they don't open up their life to you. It's not a true friendship, but that's not a problem. But when you make true friendships, 
out of photography, or it doesn't have to be photography, it can be any hobby, whether it's uh, lawn bowls or line dancing and stuff like that. If you become true friends, and when I say true friends, I mean that if you both gave up that hobby but still remained friends and were still close, that's to me, that's true friendship. When they disappear and then they very rarely keep in contact, if at all, that's a bit disappointing, um, in my opinion. Um, I, I really don't know what to say. Um, there are some people I have kept in contact that have given away photography, mind you, but we still don't see each other nowhere near as much as we used to. And there's another photographer I was fairly close to and we've become good friends and she's just disappeared as well. Now, they could have had life-changing experiences that I don't know about and it's probably none of my business either. So I shouldn't really dwell and go too deep into it. I think I've just got to learn to accept that things do change in life, whereas I tend to reminisce back to 2013, 2014, when everyone was out with the photos, Instagram was a new thing, and everyone was out and about and trying to learn and going in groups. We used to carpool up to Brisbane to do night shoots and go down to Byron Bay together and that. That doesn't seem to happen anymore. There are still meets, no doubt about it. There are still meets. Obviously, Iger's Gold Coast still have regular meets and they've been doing that for some years now. But the people that I was hanging out with and that, that I thought I'd become true friends with, have just moved on. And I can't be critical of that. I'm just sort of disappointed that, you know, that they've just moved on and I felt like I've been dumped. Not intentionally though. Now I could have been do I could have done this too and not known that I've done it. Some people don't realise it. I used to temp in bowl. I temp in bowl for 25 years. I gave it away in 2012 because I mentally couldn't do it anymore. The competitiveness got too much for me, so I gave it away. Those people I don't see as much now. So I could put my hand up and say, well, I'm one of those people, but I do keep in touch with them on Facebook and I always look at their Facebook posts and so forth. And I did move to the Gold Coast and I don't live in Sydney anymore. So naturally, I'm not going to see them as often. And other people that have lived on the Gold Coast, they could have moved on somewhere else. So obviously that's different circumstances. I just want to know what your feelings are on that. Have you hung out with people in a certain club? It could be a car club even. And you've hung out with them and then suddenly they just disappear. They don't explain to you or they don't say, look, I'm moving on or whatever. And you just don't hear from them anymore. Has it ever happened? It's, um, I'm sure this is going to happen many times throughout my life between now and when I go to heaven. So I think I've just got to learn just to accept. And going by the comments that people wrote on my post about it, that you have to not dwell on the past and that, well, I have to agree that they are right in what they're saying. I think you've got to move on. And then there might be some fantastic people around the corner that I don't know at the moment that I might get to meet next year sometime through, do it through another channel and become good friends with them. You just never know what the future holds. And that's the exciting part about life in general.
Well, as I said in my last podcast, uh, TikTok seems to be the latest social media craze, although it has been around for a few years now, and people uh, it's starting to become popular, and um, I thought I'd give it a go, and I'll just tell you my experience on it. And uh, TikTok is mainly a video version of Instagram. So Instagram, you have photos. It's pretty much a photography, people uploading photos on Instagram, people up like the occasional video on Instagram, but they generally save the videos for the Instagram stories where they do behind-the-scenes stuff there. Well, TikTok's sort of similar, but it's it's all video, although you can put a series of photos up in a video if that makes sense. So it's still classed as a video. So it's a video version of Instagram, in my opinion. It's owned by the Chinese, which is a bit of a concern because there was talk at one stage that TikTok was going to be banned in Australia and the US. I don't think that's going to happen. It has been banned in India. So, and um, now my experience from it, it's great. I've followed a couple of people that I follow on Instagram. But if you thought that people get obsessed with likes and follows and being popular on Instagram, well, TikTok takes it to a whole new level. Uh, When I go on the For You page and scroll through different accounts, the amount of people that are so obsessed with getting followers and when they get 500 followers, they'll put it on there. Thank you very much for 500 followers and help me get to a thousand followers. Um, People need a reality check. I just was dumbfounded at the amount of obsession with wanting to become popular. And that's on the back of people that have produced videos that have gone viral just by out of chance or doing something funny and others are saying, well, if they can make it viral, why can't mine video go viral? So it's just a shame that people's mindsets are on numbers now and not on the actual content itself. And mind you, there are some good reasons for some videos to go viral on the platform because there are some pretty good videos that have been made which deserve to go viral. But uh, the thing that sort of concerned me was just going through the feed and for the For You page, and there's a few accounts that I follow. I don't know them personally. They're just accounts that I follow that do a similar thing to what I do with doing landscape videos and videos at the beach and and, and, and doing some wave videos with a GoPro and so forth. But um, I do follow some accounts that are just doing dancing and stuff like that and, you know, just to... I felt like I'd have had a connection with them. And um, they put up these videos and um, and then they put one up the next day or whenever they post their next video saying that they feel depressed, I'm not in a good mindset, blah, blah, blah. Now, obviously mental health is a big issue here in Australia and no doubt around the world. I don't know why it's such a big issue compared to 20, 30 years ago. People seem to be more mentally unstable and mentally unwell. And I'm sure we've all had our dark moments in life, no matter who you are. We've been human. We are human. We have our dark days and we have days. And some people just can handle dark days better than other people. And when I see this, I get a bit concerned only because you're reaching out to people that you don't know. Now, personally, I've maybe put a post up once in the last few years 
or it might have been longer that I wasn't in good headspace. And I felt that it was a mistake that I made because a few people messaged me and said, get over yourself and get on with it and so forth. But, and I sort of thought from now on, if I'm not well uh, or if I'm having a bad day and I need to talk, talk to your close friends or family or just go to a GP or see someone and get help. Go to the hospital and that. Putting it on social media can make you feel better. And it, it, if it makes you express yourself because you've got no one else to uh, express things to, that might be good. But I do raise my eyebrows and I get suspicious of some, not all, some people put these depressing videos up saying they're not in good headspace because they want the attention and they want to get likes and, and they want to get their numbers up. Because what I have noticed is these people that do put up a video that they're not in a good headspace, miraculously, where they would average 15 or 16 likes a video, all of a sudden they'll get thousands and it goes viral. I'd be very disappointed if people... Uh, putting an act on, making out they're mentally not well or sad just for a video to go viral. That's my suspicion on some accounts because when you see their follow-up video, all of a sudden they say, wow, look at the amount of likes and that I got. I'm very grateful for your support for my previous video. And the first thing that comes into my mind is they've done it for the numbers. And I don't think that's a good thing at all. And uh, I'm all for reaching out, you know, if you're not well. But to do it because you know you're going to get a bit more attention, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that is not the way to go. And uh, that has put me off the platform a fair bit because you don't see that much on Instagram. Instagram's very positive. But TikTok, there's a lot of negativity with people with their mental health. So... Um, I might sound a bit harsh, but I think the bare facts are some people are doing it just for a bit of attention and numbers, and um, those accounts are certainly not going to follow, that's for sure. But uh, all in all, it's um, there's a lot, there's lots of good stuff on there, but it's not something that I'm going to sort of uh, be addicted to. Um, I've eased off the last few weeks. I'm only posting every two or three days now, um, and... Uh, Instagram and, and Facebook and Twitter are my main things that I that I use for social and that I've done so for so many years. So TikTok, you know, I've tried it. It's all right, but it's not something I'm definitely going to really get into in the uh, long term. Okay, that's it for me. I'm going to wrap this show up. Thanks very much for listening. Like I said before at the beginning, we've got to put 2020 behind us. It's been a really odd year, isn't it? It's something we'll never forget. Now, the good thing about social media is our ability to con keep in contact, especially with um, our people in Victoria and to see what they're doing and that. And there was someone that I do follow on Instagram before I go that put a story up about her being in quarantine for two weeks in Sydney after arriving from overseas and she was given a day-by-day -day insight on how she handled quarantine except and etc. And I thought that was really interesting. So that was pretty cool. Thanks once again for listening, guys. And I will do another well, podcast hopefully soon in the next month or so. Until then, it's bye for now.